We're going to be in Exodus chapter 12 today. And I guess before um, I talk about this a little bit, let's read our text. Exodus 12 verses 14 through 20. Exodus 12, 14 through 20. This is a continuation of a series that I started at our Holy Convocation at our local gathering, local church, um, called Understanding Passover. I think I've taught five parts up to now, maybe an extra part, because I talked about the second Passover in one of them. And so this will be like part six or seven. And we're going to continue to go through the text in Exodus 12. And we're specifically going to center in on the Feast of Unleavened Bread today and the Holy Convocation on the first day and on the seventh day. So um, this is going to be interesting. I take a little bit different view than most on this verse. Uh, if you end up taking a different view than I do, that's fine. Um, we have to learn that those of us that believe in obedience to the Torah um, are at different levels and different grades of understanding. Uh, there's been many times where I have found out that I was incorrect on something that I believed and I had to make a change. Uh, there's been times when I preached sermons and I went back and retracted what I preached simply because I gained further knowledge and further understanding. So uh, if you see something different than what I say today, but you still believe in the law of Yahweh, you believe in keeping the commandments of Yahweh, um, then you need to follow what you see in the scriptures so you don't have to agree with me to have salvation. Um, and there are some things that we must agree on, but I don't think the intricacies or the minute areas of the Torah is one of them. So um, anyhow, be that as it may, Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter 12, let's see. Verses 14 through 20. Exodus 12, 14 through 20. I'm reading out of the King James Version today because it's a more literal translation than my HCSB. I prefer the HCSB, but if you want a good literal translation, like mostly word for word, KJV is good. New American Standard Bible is good. Um, the English Standard Version is a good one. Um, um, the uh, Darby translation is an excellent, or the 1901 American Standard Version. All of these are excellent, more literal, wooden translations of the Bible. So, Exodus 12, 14 through 20. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to Yahweh throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it as a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day there shall be an holy convocation. And in the seventh day there shall be an holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at even, ye shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses, 
For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. You shall eat nothing leavened, in all your habitations shall ye eat unleavened bread. May Yahweh bless his word to our hearts today. So, I've got a calendar here, and I was making this calendar up, and I thought about a couple of brothers in our congregation that probably going to smile or laugh when they see this calendar <laughs> because sometimes I get technical. I pull out certain exhibits, certain illustrations, um, but I'm going to try to keep this as simple as possible. I believe that a good pastor or theologian makes complicated things simple. Anybody can get up in front of a crowd and sound complicated. That's not difficult, <laughs> um, but it takes someone that has well studied a subject to make something that might be a little complicated more simplified. So by way of review, I've got here the month of Abib, Exodus 12, 1 through 2, and Exodus 13, verse 4. Um, those of you that are uh, watching by way of our local congregation know that as a congregation, we observe Sabbaths by the lunar cycle, so lunar-based Sabbaths, as they're sometimes reckoned. Those of you that may be watching that don't, uh, you need to recognize that uh, that is what we observe, and this is how I have the calendar outlined. So we have up top uh, the new moon of Abia, okay? And then we have six work days, one, two, three, four, five, six. And then we have the seventh day Sabbath. And the seventh day Sabbaths are each lunar month, 8th, 15th, 22nd, and 29th. So the first Sabbath is the eighth day of the month, but the seven day, seventh day of the week, because the new moon is not counted as a work day so forth and so on. So your new moon is one day, and then you have four weeks in every month. Four times seven, four weeks, is 28. 28 plus one is 29. So you have 29 days in a lunar month, sometimes 30 days in a lunar month. And I've started the second month down here. Zeph Adib can have either 29 or 30 days. Every lunar month can have either 29 or 30 days. So we're in the month of Abib. We talked about the instructions where on the 10th day of the month, the animal of the flock was selected. You can take an animal of the flock. It must be without blemish. It must be a male. It must be a yearling. You can take it from the sheep. You can take it from the goats. And this animal of the flock is called the Pesach, or as we say in English, the Passover. Uh, the Greeks say Pasha. Some of the Eastern Orthodox churches today still, instead of using the word Easter, they call it, they celebrate the Pasha from the Greek word. The lamb was selected on the 10th, and it was kept until the 14th day of the month, or the 14th day of the moon of Abib. And in the afternoon period of the 14th, what's called Bain Ha Arbayim, between the evenings, between the first going down of the sun after high noon, and the second going down of the sun at what we would call sundown, when the sun drops below the horizon that Yahweh created. Between those two times is when the Pesach lamb was sacrificed. So then it was eaten that night. And I believe that that night moves us in here to the 15th day of the moon. And that's the day we're going to talk about here in verse 14. And also in verse, um, I believe it's verse 17. This day or this self-same day. That is the first day of the feast of unleavened bread. Let me get a different color here to make it a little bit more legible. So we're going to put UB 
for unleavened bread. This is the first day of unleavened bread. And we read earlier that there were seven days of unleavened bread. So if that's the first day of unleavened bread, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread goes from Abib the 15th through Abib the 21st. I believe all of these days are reckoned from evening to evening. As verse 18 says, from the 14th day at evening to the 21st day at evening. All of Yahweh's commanded holy days in the scriptures are commanded to be kept from evening to evening. I think it's Leviticus 23, 32 in the Hebrew text and in the Septuagint reads, From evening to evening shall you observe your Sabbaths, plural. Some people read that as singular and certain translations translate that as singular. But it actually is plural, Sabbaths, plural. So, uh, where do I want to go from here? Um, let's go to our text. Let's go to our text and read Exodus 12, verse 14 again is where we're going to, to start with. Exodus 12, verse 14. And this day shall be unto you a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to Yahweh throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. This day shall be to you a memorial is talking about the day that the Israelites were delivered from the land of Egypt and the day that the Feast of Unleavened Bread began. Passover, some people think that Passover and Unleavened Bread are a separate celebration. And they would say that the Passover was actually sacrificed on the beginning of the 14th day of the first month, <clears throat> right in here, instead of in the afternoon. And so they think that the Passover is eaten at the beginning of the 14th, and then the Israelites left out at night on the 15th. Now, I agree that the Israelites were delivered and left out at night on the 15th day, um, and but I don't agree that the Passover was eaten on the 14th day, at, at least on the 14th day at the beginning of it. So this day shall be kept for a memorial, I believe, is the day that they left the land of Egypt. As verse 17 says, look at Exodus 12, 17, And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall you observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. If you make notes in your Bible, you can underline this day in verse 17, and this day in verse 14, and it is a reference to the feast, the first day of unleavened bread, which the first meal of unleavened bread is the Passover meal. The Passover, although it is slaughtered, cleaned, and roasted on the 14th day between the evenings, it is eaten, it jump starts the feast of unleavened bread at the beginning of the 15th day. So a lot of people think, well, the Bible says that the Passover is the 14th day of the month. And if you actually slow down and read the texts that talk about the Passover, it never, it never calls the Passover a day. Um, for example, in Exodus 12, uh, verse 11, it says, Thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is Yahweh's Passover. 
if you follow the pronoun it from verse 5 to verse 11, the it is always a reference to the actual animal, the Pesach. There are other scriptures in um, uh, other books of Torah and also the writings in the Old Testament that says they ate the Passover. You don't eat a day. Uh, you observe a day, but you don't eat a day. What you eat is the animal. The animal itself is the Pesach. And this is why the scriptures will, will talk about how that the Passover happens on the 14th, not the passing over of the homes, but the Passover animal is slaughtered, it is um, uh, cleaned, and it is roasted on the 14th day, but then it is eaten as the first meal of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on the 15th day, but yet at nighttime. So, uh, let me let me show you a scripture here. Turn to Numbers 33, verse 3. Numbers 33, verse 3. And this is the goings forth of the journeys of the children of Israel. And right at the beginning it says, Numbers 33, 3, And they departed from Ramses in the first month on the fifteenth day of the first month. On the morrow after the Passover, the children of Israel went out with a high hand in the sight of all the Egyptians. So the morrow after the Passover is talking about the day after the Passover lamb was slaughtered, cleaned, and roasted is when they left, on the 15th day. Now, not only did they leave on the 15th day, they left by night. Look at Deuteronomy 16, verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 16 Verse 1 says, Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover unto Yahweh thy Elohim. For in the month of Abib, Yahweh thy Elohim brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. How he brought them forth out of Egypt was with that final plague. That's, that's what jump-started the bringing them forth. Because after that plague hit, after the middle of the night, they were thrust out of the land of Egypt. And... They, they left in a hurry because the Egyptians said, we're, we're going to all be dead men. So you can go from Deuteronomy 16.1 back to Exodus 12. And look at Exodus 12, verse 40 through 42. Exodus 12, 40 through 42 says, Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day it came to pass, that all the hosts of Yahweh went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be much observed unto Yahweh for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of Yahweh to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. What night? Well, the night that ends the 14th and begins the 15th day. Of Abib. This is the night to be much observed for bringing them out through that final plague when they ate the Pesach meal as the first meal of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So if we go to our chart, the Pesach lamb was slaughtered right in this section, and then it was eaten right in this section. And then, of course, they were commanded to stay in their homes until midnight. They were not allowed to leave their houses until the morning. I understand morning there to still be in the night portion, um, but early morning. Like we would say, um, man, I woke up at 3 o'clock this morning. 
So it's the, the fourth watch of the night or the final aspect of the night. It's the time when Ruth got up from Boaz's feet before anybody could see her. It's the time that Yeshua went out to pray in Mark chapter 1 um, uh, uh, while it was still night before daylight ever got there. But it says early in the morning he went out to pray. Um, so they, they left, but it was still nighttime under the full moon. We were out last night uh, fulfilling the, the last aspect of the uh, Pesach ordinance, burning the remains of the lamb, as the scripture teaches us to do in Exodus 12, 1 through uh, 11. And um, I seen that bright full moon. And of course, the way that you know when midnight is, is not by looking at your, your clock and saying, well, the, strike, the clock struck 12 um, a.m. Uh, no. The way that you know when midnight is, is, is the actual middle of the night. And it's easy to do on a full moon because the full moon uh, rules the sky all night long. Um, so as the sun sets, sun rises in the east, sets in the west, especially at this time of the year. So as the sun sets in the west, the full moon in conjunction with that sun setting rises in the east and then it stays in the sky all night long. And so when the full moon is directly overhead, you know that's the middle of the night. Then the full moon will start going down and it will set um, as well. So after the full moon has you know, made its pinnacle there in the sky, that's what would be the, the second half of the night and uh, the early morning hours. That's when they were delivered um, out of the land of, of Egypt. So let's go to, let's see, uh, verse 14. We talked about that. Uh, keep it as an ordinance forever. Um, I don't see how the Israelites that were hearing this from the get-go, I don't see how they would have understood it as any other way than meaning you're always going to keep this. He said keep this forever throughout your generations. I think they would have heard that and they would have thought, okay, we're going to teach it to our children. They're going to teach it to their children. And our great, 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 great grandchildren are eventually one day going to be memorializing this great deliverance from Egypt. And, of course, we're still doing that today. Whether or not we're physical Israelites, I have no idea, just to be honest with you. But we've joined ourselves to Yahweh regardless, and we are still teaching. I've been teaching my children to do this, not just by reading them the story, but by actually doing the commandment. you got to realize this. It's good to read your children stories in the scriptures, and it's good to read to them to remind them. But the best way that they're going to learn is by actually doing it. It's like when you, you know, take somebody to work with you in order to teach them a trade or a craft. Um, that's the best way to teach them, is to let them come with you, see what you're doing, let them do on-the-job training, to learn by doing. You can talk to them until you're blue in the face. You know, you can tell them how to do this or how to do that. But they'll never fully understand until they spend some time on the job training and learning the trade by doing. You'll never really learn how to observe the Passover until you just step out on faith and begin to do it. Are you going to do it perfectly? Of course not. You're going to grow as you continue to do it year after year, but you're not going to do it perfectly. I've been keeping the Passover since 1998. Last night, I'd have to counted out, but it was either my 22nd or 23rd time that I've kept Passover, 23rd year that I've kept Passover, and I've actually kept more than that because sometimes I've kept Passover in the second month as well with, with other people. So I've done it a lot, and I remember especially in my, like, the first 10 years that I did it, and I would study it, and, and it seemed like each year I would add a little more uh, 
to the mix. And it wasn't that I was adding anything. It was just that I was getting closer to observing the command than I had the year before, um, keeping all of the ordinances. Now, I feel that the Passover that I just kept uh, yesterday and then last evening as we began the, the first meal of unleavened bread, I feel like we did it justice. Um, but I don't know if we did it to the T. You know, I don't have a direct communication with Yahweh where I can say, hey, Yahweh, how did, how did that look? And he said, well, you got it 97% right. I don't have that kind of communication with the Heavenly Father like Moses did. But I do it the best that I know how to do it. And Yahweh is magnified when we do our very best. Yahweh knows our hearts and our minds. He knows where our intentions are. and He knows where our motives are. And uh, so I believe that when he sees us seeking to please him, it's, it's like when, when your little child brings you uh, a paper that he or she has colored, and it might be out of the lines, um, but it's beautiful to you because it's the best that that child could do at the present time. As the child grows older, understands more, learns more, eventually he or she will color inside the lines, and they'll get better and better as they progress. So that's what the Passover is all about. It's just you learn by doing. Take a step of faith and learn by doing. So, verse 15. And I've got to get moving here. So, verse 15. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. So, how I used to see this, when I observed Sabbath on Saturday was the Feast of Unleavened Bread lasted from the 15th day to the 21st day. And I still believe that. That's the seven days of unleavened bread. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And it ends on the 21st day at evening, which begins the 22nd day of the moon. Um, so I still see it that way, but I see the seventh day mentioned as being different than the seventh day of the feast. Uh, here, here is what I talked about at the beginning. If you see it different than, than I do, that's fine. Um, you won't be able to see what I'm about to say unless you observe lunar Sabbaths. Uh, so well, back when I kept Saturday Sabbaths, we would keep uh, a Saturday. Saturday could fall, man, Saturday could fall like on the 12th of Abib or Saturday and then the 19th. Saturday could fall right in there. And so you'd have Saturday that would break up the work days, you know, in the middle of unleavened bread where you'd keep a, what we call a high day Sabbath on the 15th and then another high day Sabbath on the 21st. And then you'd have Saturday Sabbath right here on the 19th. And then back in uh, late 1999, early 2000, we observed, started to observe lunar Sabbaths. And when I first started to observe lunar Sabbaths, what I would do was I would keep a Sabbath on the 15th, and then I would keep another high day on the 21st, and then I'd do another Sabbath on the 22nd. So I'd have a double Sabbath right here. And the reason I would do that is because it talks about here in this text how that you are to have a holy convocation. Verse 16, and in the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. And in the seventh day, and I used to believe that was talking about the seventh day of the feast, there shall be a holy convocation. 
No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. So I thought that the 15th and the 21st were the no work days. As the text says, except for what every man must eat. And I take that to mean you can cook on these feast day Sabbaths. You're allowed to cook. They're just like the weekly Sabbath with one exception. No work may be done except that which every man must eat. So Yahweh allows you to cook. He knows there's going to be a lot going on. There's going to be feasting taking place. And so he says, hey, when my feast days roll around, I know it's the Sabbath, but I'm going to allow you to cook on these feast day Sabbaths. That's how I understand that. Um, but I no longer see the seventh day as meaning the seventh day of the feast. I believe that it's talking about the seventh day of the week. And so I believe that just like in the Feast of Tabernacles, where uh, the scripture speaks of the first day and the eighth day, 15th and 22nd, I believe it's saying the same thing in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, but it's just calling the 22nd day the seventh day rather than the eighth day. So you say, Brother Matthew, how can it call it the eighth day in one place and the seventh day in another place? Well, it can do that. Yahweh can do that because one calendar date can be termed by different numbers depending on what you are referring to. Let me give you an example here. The first day of unleavened bread is the 15th day of the month, right? So we can assign number 15 to that day. It's the 15th day of the month. However, it has another number assigned to it. It's the first day of unleavened bread. So that day can be called the first day, or it can be called the 15th day. For lunar Sabbatarians, it's also the seventh day of the week, counting from the beginning of the week. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So you have one date right here that can be termed the first, the seventh, and the 15th. So it's the same thing that goes for the 22nd. This 22nd right here can be called the 22nd. It can be called the 8th day, counting from the 15th. We count 15th as 1, 22 is number 8. Or, if you're a lunar Sabbatarian, it can be counted as the 7th day, meaning after 6 work days. And keep in mind here, this is a point that is important. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is the same feast as the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, I know they're in different months to be memorialized, but it's the same occurrence. Unleavened bread and tabernacles memorialize the same deliverance from the land of Egypt. It's just in the springtime, we memorialize how that the Israelites had to eat unleavened bread because they left in haste. In the fall, we memorialize how the Israelites had to dwell in temporary booths out in the wilderness. But it's the same feast, same deliverance. Okay, So I think that they are mirrors of one another and that in both months, the 15th day of the moon and the 22nd day of the moon are the Holy Convocation days. So why do I say that? Well, there's something peculiar here, or not, not peculiar, but it, was, it used to be peculiar to me. But it says in verse 15 that seven days shall you eat unleavened bread, even the first day shall you put away leaven out of your homes. I'll get back to that in a second. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. All literal translations of the Bible say, whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day. Now, 
If we say un, you only have to eat unleavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, then that would mean that once the seventh day arrived, the seventh day of the feast, you would not have to any longer eat unleavened bread. You could eat leaven on that seventh day because he says from the first day until the seventh day. So what people do is, and they have to understand it like this, they have to say that until means until the seventh day ends. It can't mean until the seventh day begins. If they're going to say the 21st is the seventh day at hand. This is why a lot of your meaning for meaning translations of the Bible will read something like, whoever eats leaven from the first day through the seventh day. It's not a literal translation, but they, they put through the seventh day because they know until could make someone confused. Like, well, if we eat from the first until the seventh, then that means when the seventh day gets there, we can eat it. So I think until is fine. I think until is a literal translation. But I think it's talking about the end of the 21st and the beginning of the 27th, uh, 22nd. So whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, and I think he's talking about the seventh day of the week, not the seventh day of the feast. Whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. So that's why I think the 22nd is in view here rather than the 21st. Um, because of the word until in verse 15, because of the parallel with the Feast of Tabernacles, and then also because of the command in Leviticus 23, how that after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, um, the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, you begin to count for Pentecost on the second day of the feast, which is the next day after the Sabbath. This is when we begin to count for Pentecost right here. And he says that you will number seven Sabbaths complete. A Sabbath complete, you, you can't have a seventh day Sabbath. And you can't number seven seventh day Sabbaths unless you have six work days before a seventh day Sabbath. That's what a seventh day Sabbath is. If, if you only have three work days and then you rest, that's not a seventh day Sabbath, right? So we're, we're to number seven Sabbaths complete in the month of, uh, beginning in the month of Abib. And that's the first part of the account to Pentecost. And if we have a Sabbath here on the 21st, then this first week would be the only week that we don't have a Sabbath complete. We would only have five work days and then a Sabbath and then possibly either a Sabbath or a work day here on the 22nd. So for those reasons, I think that it's talking about the Holy Convocation days are the first day of the feast and the seventh day of the week, also called the eighth day during the Feast of Tabernacles. So hopefully that wasn't too complicated and you're more than welcome to ask me about that at a later time. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about these verses. Um, Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. That's verse 15. Uh, this verse can be understood two different ways. Um, first day is a legitimate translation. It could be saying that we are to remove the leaven um, on the first day of the feast, which is the 15th day of Abib. Or the word first, the Hebrew word rishon, could be translated before or formal. Formal. So it could uh, refer to removing the leaven before uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread gets there. So the way that we normally do it is the second way that I just explained. I think that it's better understood to mean 
um, remove the leaven before the feast. So we removed the leaven yesterday. I, I burned what leaven we had left um, in the fire, and we removed it there on the on the 14th day of the month, which is the day before the feast arrives. If you think that you should do it on the first day, then I understand, and, and that's safe. That's great. That's that's a legitimate understanding of the text. Um, let's see. What else do we need to go over here? You put away the leaven out of your homes. It says in verse uh, 15, and then if you kind of go along down to verse 19, seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses, for whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land, you shall eat nothing leavened, and all your habitations shall ye eat unleavened bread. So there's a debate amongst uh, Torah keepers on what is it that we remove from our homes. So I've, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, and there was a time in our home that my wife and I, and we did this for about three or four years, that we removed anything that had like vinegar in it. So we would remove like mustard, ketchup. Um, we would remove certain salad dressings, um, certain things like that because we called them leavening agents. And that was about a three or four year stint in our walk. And um, I eventually came out of that understanding by going back to the text and reading and rereading over and over for many years. So what we do now is much more simpler, and that doesn't, that doesn't mean every time that the way is simpler that it's the correct way, but I believe this is the correct way based on the text of Scripture. We remove bread, leavened bread, from our homes, a raised loaf. I think that that's what it's referring to. I don't think it's talking about vinegar. I don't think it's talking about ketchup. I think the instructions and the context is a reference to risen loaf of bread versus flat bread, leavened bread versus unleavened bread. And the reason I think that is if you continue to read in Exodus 12, uh, let's see, verses... Um, Verse 31, let's just start at verse 31, where it says, And he called for Moses and Aaron by night. This is talking about Pharaoh. And he said, Rise up and get you forth from among the people, both you and the children of Israel, and go, serve Yahweh as you have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone. And bless me also. <clears throat> and the Egyptians were urging upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we be all dead men. And the people took their dough. This is verse 34. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And then look at verse 39. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they brought forth out of Egypt. For it was not leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry, neither had they prepared for themselves any victual. So they actually had their dough with them, bound up in their kneading troughs upon their shoulders, the text says. So they had dough. And I tell everybody that 
we are so far removed from bread making that we don't understand. We never transport ourselves back to the context of the people that lived in that day. So people didn't just go down to the local Publix or Albertsons or wherever you grocery shop and get a risen loaf of bread, right? They didn't do that on a regular basis, and they didn't do that after the feast. A lot of times after the feast, what do we do? First thing we want to do is immediately we want to go buy some bread. I know one brother told me, he said, the first place I'm going to after the Feast of Unleavened Bread is Texas Roadhouse, and I'm going to get me some of those Texas Roadhouse rolls with that honey butter. It's going to be so good. Well, we have the ability to do that now because we can make leavened bread a lot quicker than people made it in ancient times. So if you were to start, and I'd have to go back and, and look at it, but you can you can look up on several bread-making websites where they talk about homesteading and making bread really from scratch. I'm not talking even about making bread in a bread maker, which takes a good little process. You can't make that as quick as unleavened bread. That takes a process, but I'm talking about from absolute scratch where you mix the flour and the salt and the, and the water and you knead it, and then you go outside and you let it, the sun get it and it collects yeast spores in the air and then you take it back in you knead it some more and then you put it outside and you let it sit in the sun as well and collect more and I, I'm not mistaken I think that if you start absolutely from scratch I think it's almost like a week long process like five to seven days for you to make that that risen loaf bread and then what you do after that is you you pull some of that uh, yeasty dough off and you keep it in a dark place, and that could be your starter dough for your next loaf, so that when, you, when you're kneading your next dough, you can pull some of that leaven from that starter dough and put it in that dough. And remember the scripture says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So that helps you make that risen loaf a little quicker the next time. So this right here is the context of Exodus chapter 12. This is what the Israelites were removing out of their homes. Not, not vinegar, not alcohol. Some people remove alcohol out of their homes because they say, well, that there's, there's yeast in alcohol or beer or wine or stuff like that. That's not the context of the chapter. If that's what you do, if that's where you're at and that's what you're comfortable with, then by all means, you do what you feel Yahweh would have you do. As for me and my house, I believe that the context is specifically on the risen loaf versus the flatbread. We make flat bread quick. My wife made some this morning. It was delicious. I told her, I said, the scripture says in Deuteronomy 16, this is supposed to be the bread of affliction, but it sure tastes good. <laughs> she had, we had some uh, some honey on it, I think it was, or maybe some kind of sugar or something like that. It's delicious. It was so good. And so we eat that for seven days, and we don't eat the risen loaf for seven days. Okay? So that is my understanding on that. Um. Let's talk about the the, uh, the holy convocations that we're, have, we're to have on the first day and the seventh day. Again, I believe that's the first day of the feast and the seventh day of the week. Holy convocation is uh, a public gathering. That's something that we're not doing right now because of circumstances going on in the world. Um, but this is abnormal. This is not normal. This is abnormal. We're supposed to belong to a local congregation, if at all possible. I understand some people live in areas where they don't have that, and some people are shut in where they can't get out. I'm not talking about you. I'm not condemning those situations. I'm talking about people that have the ability to join themselves to a group and meet with people on a weekly basis. Um, you should do that. Even if you don't fully agree 
with everything that is taught. Humble yourself, let down your pride, join somewhere where the eldership is solid, where you can learn good teaching, where you can have fellowship, and learn, learn to keep quiet on areas of disagreement. It's, you know, it's, it's okay to discuss them. I'm talking about in a private setting or in a small group setting, but they shouldn't, all areas of disagreement shouldn't keep us from fellowshipping with other believers. I've told people before, I'm a pastor of a congregation, but I've told people before that if I didn't pastor a congregation and, and I didn't have my own congregation, I would either start one, start a home fellowship, or I would seek out a, a small, solid Christian fellowship, and I would go there. And if I had any questions or if I had any qualms or anything like that about uh, certain things that may have been taught, I would go to the elders in private, and I would talk to them in private. And I wouldn't try to sow up discord amongst the brothers and the sisters in that congregation. And we would go because I believe that strongly, that you and your family need fellowship. I'm talking about real fellowship, not through a computer screen but where you can actually hug people and see people and cry with people and pray with people and, and be the body of the Messiah. So that, that's what the Holy Convocation is about here. And these are special ones uh, because they're not just weekly Sabbaths, but they're annual Sabbaths. So, um, Verse 17, And you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread. For in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. That shows you that the Feast of Unleavened Bread begins on the day that Israel was delivered from Egypt. Remember, they were delivered by night, and they were delivered on the 15th, showing the 15th had to begin at night. So, um, Therefore shall you observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month at even, that's the end of the 14th, until the 1 and 20th day of the month at even, that's the end of the 21st. Seven days there shall be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. This is talking about willful uh, transgression. This is not talking about accidental. There have been so many times, and I, I pretty much I think the last several years I haven't done this, but I remember my early on in my walk when the feast would come around, <laughs> It seems like every year, for probably the first 10 to 12 years, I would say, that I would accidentally eat leavened bread. And you just, you'd get to working or you'd forget, and then all of a sudden you find yourself, you know, um, just eating a piece of toast or eating a sandwich or something, and then bam. Sometimes while I was eating the sandwich, I think, whoa, feast of unleavened bread, throw it out. Um, or then sometimes I'd eat it and wouldn't think about it till. I lay down that night to go to sleep, and then I would think, man, I broke the feast today. And that was an accidental breaking. There's a difference between an accidental sin and a willful sin. It's still sin, but it's, it is not as bad if it's accidental versus willful. Um, I remember a time early on in my walk, I think it was my first Feast of Unleavened Bread, that I was riding in, in the work truck with my father-in-law, uh, Brother Arnold. And we stopped at the gas station to get some diesel for the work truck, and I got a pack of crackers, leaven crackers. And um, I remember we were riding down the road, and it was the, the orange crackers with the peanut butter inside of them. And I was sitting over there munching on the crackers, and we were talking. All of a sudden, my father-in-law looked over there at me, and he hollered to the, at the top of his lungs, 
leavening, leavening, leavening. <laughs> and I looked at it and I spit it out. I said, what do I do? He said, throw it out, throw it out. We're going down the road and I threw the crackers out of the window. They go skirting through the sky there. Um, so I was, I was thankful that, you know, we should take the feast seriously. Uh, but I was eating those crackers not willfully, not saying, hey, I don't care what Yahweh says, I'm going to eat this leaven anyhow. No, I had accidentally gotten it. See, So the cutting off of the soul is when you know to do what is right and you uh, defy Yahweh and say, Man, I don't care what you say, Yahweh. I'm going to do my own thing anyhow. He says that soul shall be cut off when you know that you're supposed to observe the commandment but you spit in Yahweh's face and you don't do it in spite of that. Um, and all you shall eat nothing leavened, verse 20, and all your habitations shall ye eat unleavened bread. So the feast is not the feast is not just the removal of the leaven. Um, it is it is the eating of the unleavened bread. And I think that that is the that is the focal point. Is the eating of unleavened bread for seven days. You know, you could you could go. There's some people that I know that don't even eat bread. Um, I mean, I, I myself, we we went on certain special diets where we don't have any bread for a long period of time, and that's fine. That's okay. So I mean, you could you could not eat any leavened bread, any risen loaf, uh, all of the twelfth moon and all of the second moon and, and all of the all of the first moon. But the key is is that during that feast of the first moon, the key is here. The difference is you're eating unleavened bread for seven days. The commandment is to eat unleavened bread for seven days. So even if you have a diet where you don't eat bread to start with, once the feast gets here, you eat the unleavened bread. And it signifies, as we showed earlier, that they were thrust out in haste and they made unleavened cakes out of the dough because they were thrust out and didn't have time to prepare the, the, the risen loaf. So I think that covers verses 15 through 20, or verses 14 through 20 of Exodus chapter 12. So we're going to stop right there.